You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Studio 89.7. This talk program focuses on newsmakers, celebrities, and authors. And now, here's your host, Philadelphia radio veteran, Paul Perello. Hello, I'm Paul Perello, and welcome to Studio 89.7 on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Today on our program, we are joined by the director of the movie Woman in Gold, Simon Curtis, and attorney Randy Schoenberg. Woman in Gold is based on the true story of Marie Altman, an elderly Jewish refugee living in Los Angeles, who together with her young attorney, Randy Schoenberg, fought the government of Austria for almost a decade to reclaim an iconic painting of her aunt, which was stolen from her relatives by the Nazis in Vienna just prior to the start of World War II. Altman took her legal battle all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States, which ruled on the case Republic of Austria versus Altman. Woman in Gold, the remarkable true story of one woman's journey to reclaim her heritage and seek justice for what happened to her family. This is a, a remarkable movie. What I like about it is that it's a real movie. It's a real story. And we're fortunate enough to have with us here in the studio one of the uh, gentlemen that uh, is portrayed in the uh, in the movie. We also have the director here. It, it seems to me, Simon, that you're into this. I mean, you've, you have a great body of work, but what I enjoy about your work is that you take these real stories and bring them to life in in a way that a lot of people can't successfully execute, but not only with this film, but also with the movie about Marilyn Monroe a few years back. Another brilliant job with Woman in Gold. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, I, I think I am drawn to true stories. I'm, I'm, I'm drawn to good stories, but a lot of the best stories around at the moment are true stories. And yeah. uh, I, was, I was very proud to do my week with Marilyn. And this is a much bigger story. And I think of it as my century with Maria. Yeah. And Helen Mirren plays this remarkable woman, Maria Altman, uh, who went on this extraordinary campaign together with Randy uh, to reclaim the great Klimt painting, Woman in Gold, that was stolen from her family in the Nazis. At the very moment, she herself, Maria, had to flee Vienna, mm. uh, and leave her family behind forever uh, to, to build a new life here in the United States. You saw a documentary, I believe, on the BBC about this, which sort of sparked your interest to say, hey, this is worth exploring a little further. And Absolutely right. I mean, in fact, I mean, it was well covered, the, the, the story. I mean, you know, when Maria and Randy were at the Supreme Court and obviously in Vienna and Austria, it was a massive story. And then when the paintings arrived back in America, uh, uh, that that so there was a lot of attention, but I you're right when you say that my instinct that there was a movie in this came from seeing the the documentary on the subject. So the woman in gold then is a real woman. I mean, this is Maria's family member that's in this her aunt uh, who is uh, immortalized in this uh, in this painting. It is literally ripped off the wall with a number of other artifacts, artwork from her home at the time of uh, the Nazi invasion. And it's a, it's a remarkable story because, you know, it goes to show you it's not necessarily what you know, but who you know. Because years later then, it is Maria who connects with Randy's relative 
that sort of gets the ball rolling again to get the artwork back. Yeah, I mean, it's a testimony to America's policy of immigration, you could say, because Maria rebuilt her life in California and lived there for 50 or 60 years, I think. And uh, uh, when she decided to to go after the, the painting, she recruited the grandson of another famous refugee from Austria, Arnold Schoenberg. And his grandson, Randy, was uh, uh, emerging as a lawyer in Los Angeles. And together they form this odd couple that achieves this extraordinary thing. So, Randy, let me ask you then. I mean, were you aware of, uh, you know, because oftentimes, and, and there's a line in the movie which I'll get to, but oftentimes, you know, when a relative says, can you help out my friend with this? Or can, can, can you look into this for me? You know, we all sort of roll our eyes and we sort of do it. But, I mean, did you realize what you were getting yourself into when you were asked to help Maria in her in her journey? Yeah, Maria was, was uh, my grandmother's best friend, and my grandmother had died 10 or 11 years earlier, but my mom kept up the contact. And so when Austria passed a law that, that gave us a new possibility of getting artwork back, uh, she, she called my mom and then she called me and said, you know, could you help? And at that point, I knew who Maria was. She was very close with, with my grandmother. Uh, I knew the paintings, sort of, because I had been to Vienna, and my mom had pointed out when I was a teenager, sure. saying, see that painting on the wall? That's your grandmother's friend's aunt, mm. Adela Blochbauer. And the name was you know, so unusual. I really remember learning that. Uh, but I didn't know any of the story. I didn't know anything about Maria's story. I didn't know about her and her, her husband Fritz's escape from Austria. And so I met with her, and she told me this story and, and, and really uh, told me a lot of her personal story also. And then we looked through the documents, and I started getting re- interested, and uh, it was it was exciting. I was a young lawyer. I was 31 years old, and uh, it seemed like something that that was worth pursuing. I, I had no idea that it was going to take me eight years to to finish it, but uh, but it was it was interesting from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you you know you could go back and look at those old uh, law school textbooks, and you could open up the you know the law books, and there's nothing in there that says it's going to take eight years to, right. you know to acquire this you know this artwork back. I was thinking uh, it's a bit like making a movie. It takes about eight years. Yeah, too. and so um, a lot of times people think, oh, you know, you come up with the idea, Simon. You you get the screenwriter to come up with the script, cast the movie, and twenty months later, two years later. You got this film. So, really, how long was this project for you? I don't think it was quite eight years, but it was definitely five or six. Uh, and you know, there are times where you think, "Oh, it's a long shot," but then suddenly the script comes together, and suddenly, you know, Harvey and the BBC are interested in in financing it if you can attract cast to it. And uh, I was ecstatic when uh, Dame Helen Mirren read and liked the script and and wanted to take on the story. And she felt very passionately she wanted to do. Uh, pay great respect to Maria and 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 you know play her uh, as authentically as possible. Was it key to get Dame Helen Mirren to sign on to this project before anything began to move forward in the process? Uh, well, we were moving, but we started to move much faster when Helen liked the script for sure. sure. And you talk about that odd couple in yes. this cast here, Helen Mirren and Ryan Reynolds. And I mentioned, I think I read somewhere that it was Harvey's idea to put Ryan in the role of Randy. Oh, well, he's definitely suggested uh, Ryan and I meet, and I, I liked him enormously. And, uh, you know, he uh, and Randy are both really smart and really sweet and and, and kind. So, uh, uh, and we wanted, 
our Randy to be something slightly different from the real Randy, who was very aware of his family heritage and mm-hmm. Vienna and so on. Uh, and we wanted our Randy to be more of an all-American kid sure. who learnt the value of his history and learnt the f- history of his family during the story of the film. So I have to ask the real Randy, who's in studio <laughs> with us, that you know, you look up now on the screen, I'm sure you've seen the movie a number of times. I mean, they could have gotten anybody for the role. I mean, they had to go with Ryan right. Reynolds. You know, we all play that game. You know, who's going to play you yeah, in right. the movie yeah. about your life? And no, Ryan Reynolds was not the first person that would come to mind. You don't, I, we're on radio, so you can't sure. see me, but you'd look at me and you don't think sexiest man alive, okay? That's not, you know, I'm, I'm a schlubby lawyer, right? And, uh, but when they when they said Ryan Reynolds, I was I was surprised. And then I you know I looked I took a closer look at the work he had done. And he he's a serious actor. He doesn't just do the big action movies and and uh, comic book characters. But he he does a lot of work, and he's done a lot of very serious films. And I realized he's he's someone who has a lot of depth and can play a character like this. And I, he really pulls it off. I think he does a great job. And you know who wouldn't want to be played by Ryan Reynolds? Exactly. Uh, and he and Helen, uh, Ryan and Helen, got on from day one. And there's a really enjoyable chemistry between the two of them, both on and off camera. And I think that that brings a lot of the humor to the film, their relationship. Uh, Before I ask you, Simon, what it's like to tackle a subject like this where Maria passed away a few years ago, her appeal, they went to court, they went to the Supreme Court, they actually got the the portrait back. So that was- But don't give away the ending. Yeah, I I, I don't want to do that, but (laughs) I'm I'm kidding, I'm kidding, because we know what Yeah, it's sort of like telling the story of the Titanic. Yeah, Yeah. I hate to tell you, you know, what happens at the end. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah, this real ship does collide with an iceberg and and you could fill in the blank yeah. but you know she so she never really got to see the finished product but was she aware of finished product in the movie but was she aware of the movements behind the scene to bring yes, her story I to think the she must have been very much towards the end of her life know that it was talked about but she's she'd lived in Los Angeles around the corner from 20th Century Fox so I hope she knew that it was a unlikely thing because most movies don't get made how do you take something that is rooted in this rich, deep history and try to play it as close to the storyline as possible, but know that sometimes you, the director, have to add a few elements. And you, you did this with my week with Marilyn. You know, you got to sort of yeah. spice I mean, it up a little I mean, bit. The, my way, I mean, the way I describe it is I once did a, uh, a, a BBC production of uh, David Copperfield with actually mm-hmm. the, the young Daniel Ratcliffe. And you read the book and then you get a screenplay of it, and some of the characters have had to be dropped from the book and uh, to make the film happen and uh, to make it suitable. And uh, this is a bit like that, that you, steep, you, you seep yourself in all the information, you do all the research, mm-hmm. and then finally you've got a script, and that's what you have to do. Sure. But uh, the film is set both in contemporary America or near contemporary America and in the past in 1938. And there was so much footage and photographs available of the terrible days when the Nazis arrived in Vienna in 1938. Mm. And we, we actually recreated some of those scenes. So when the Jews are forced to paint on the walls or when the Nazi vehicles first came into the city, we recreated actual photographs that we had. Is the actual painting used in the movie? No, it's, it's not. There's a good question we actually had to find a very skillful guy in the uk who uh, could do the work in progress version of it and the finished version of it and mm. so much so that it could scrutinize 
the close-up, do you know what I mean? But uh, I did go and visit the real painting in New York uh, several times, and it nothing prepares you for its magnificence. Mm. If you see the postcard or the poster, it doesn't prepare you for just how extraordinary it is when you see it in person. And we should mention that the, the, the real painting is on display in New York in a museum, so if people are in New York and want to go and, and, and visit it, they can go and they can see it for themselves. But oftentimes people say, well, it's a no-brainer. They're going to take the, the real painting and use it in the film, but I guess there are so many legal ramifications to do something like that. It's not just taking it off the wall, but maintaining the integrity of the of the portrait is probably priority number one for everybody involved. Well, it's a very valuable piece of work, sure. and they weren't going to FedEx it to the UK, I don't think. <laughs> but but uh, you know, we also had you know we had to have because uh, Maria's aunt Adele is a character in the film, and we had to mm-hmm. cast an actress who looked credibly like the Adele sure. in the painting, so we could go from close up of the actress to the close up of the painting. Uh, so there were lots of ramifications of, of, of such a famous piece of uh, artwork, and it's dis- it was described as the Mona Lisa of Austria. Mm-hmm. It was it was a very very much cherished picture. Now, Randy, in your case, you know, um, given the fact that uh, you live this, you breathe this, you saw this from the idea, the concept to uh, fruition now with this movie, were you on the set? Did you actually see Ryan play you in some of the scenes of the film? So I I visited the set twice, uh, once in in Vienna, and uh, they let me be an extra in one scene. If you blink, you'll you'll miss me. I like that. Uh, But but, uh, it was was just really fun, and I got to meet Helen Mirren there. Uh, In uh, Los Angeles, when they were filming in Los Angeles, I did meet Ryan Reynolds. It was on on the last day of shooting, and uh, you know I got dressed to to go there. And they were they were filming on a rooftop, and I you know I was wearing khakis and a and a dress shirt. And they finished the scene, and he walked over to me, and he he pointed at me. He pointed to what he was wearing, which was exactly the same thing, and he said nailed it right because he was he looked exactly like me and uh and he's just very funny and it was really really fun meeting him there yeah when you when you see this finished project now and is it kind of surreal for you because this is i don't want to say it's your life it's part of your life you know this is maria's story but really this is you know what you went through to help maria in her quest i mean what's it like for you when you see this story unfold on the screen the way that it does it it is surreal and i mean it's not not just me and maria but also my wife and the birth of our kids and things like that are portrayed and uh, so obviously these are major moments in my life arguing in the supreme court right uh mm. And uh, to see that portrayed in film, when I when I really saw it for the first time uh, in Berlin with in a theater of about two thousand people, it was extremely emotional. I was just carried away. Mm. Uh, I didn't think I would be because I'd seen a draft of the film, so I thought, okay, I'm you know I've already seen it once, but I was really just completely taken in by the movie, and uh, and so uh, you know it's it's an amazing amazing thing that's happened. When you're a young attorney and this sort of falls in your lap the way that it does. I mean, did you realize you were going to have to go and argue this case? Going all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court? I mean, did you ever envision that's where it was going to go? Right. No, not at all. I mean, I, I'd never done a trial on my own. I had never argued even in the appellate court before this case. And, uh, you know, when you file a case, you just don't know where it's going to go. And uh, this one went all the way up to the Supreme Court. It took a long time. And, uh, you know, fortunately, I was able to argue there and uh there's there's a scene in the movie about the Supreme Court, and I sort of slip in the beginning. Uh, that's exactly how it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people see that, I think uh, there are many points in the movie where you're going to think, oh, 
that must have been made up by the filmmaker Simon and the, and the screenwriter Alexi Campbell must have come up with that. Uh, it's all based on things that happened, and that actually happened exactly that way. So uh, it's it's something uh, that you couldn't script, uh, but uh, sometimes life is stranger than fiction, I guess. Yeah, that's that, that, that's what they say. There's a line in the movie, Simon, Maria says why she wants to, to pursue this, to get the painting back. The indication is that she might be doing it for the money, or at least Randy surmises that that's why she's doing it. And she's like, it has nothing to do with the money. I'm doing it for, for the youth. I'm doing it for the children, to, for them to, to, to respect and appreciate their heritage. People and, forget, especially the young. Exactly. That's such an important lesson because today in this fast pace world that we're in, we're only concerned about the now, the moment. Mm-hmm. And we don't necessarily even look back yeah. five or ten years. That's exactly right. And one of the themes of this film is that you know we're all the product of the past and what our ancestors went through to get us where we are today. Mm. And uh, our version of Randy in the film learns the agony that his family, uh, his ancestors went through to get him to live this comfortable life in California. Mm. And there's an agonizing scene at the end of the film where Maria has to leave her parents for the last time. And their message to her is remember us. And I think at this time where anti-Semitism is raising its head all over again, there couldn't be a better time than uh, to release this film that, that is a timely reminder of the perils of anti-Semitism. Filmmakers take on a project because of the story. Oftentimes it is the story that really draws them mm-hmm. to the project. And this has every type of emotion in it. You know, I have to ask you, I mean, when you sit back now and look at your finished product, are you confident that you succeeded on every level? Are you happy, fulfilled that you executed this in the way that you wanted to execute the project? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I am. I'm very proud of the film. But moreover, I'm really sort of in love with the story and the characters and what they went through. And I'm the product of a Jewish family in the UK. Uh, uh, and I can really identify with the way the present connects with the past. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, a film I feel enormously passionate about. And filming Vienna was an extraordinary emotional time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my hope is that one day I'll find another story I love as much as this. Your son, the lawyer, how is he? I need advice from someone I can trust. Here she is. My aunt. That's quite a pain. She was taken off the walls of our home by the Nazis. Since then, she's been hanging in Vienna. Now you'd like to be reunited. And then there's justice. I never thought I'd come back. Welcome to Vienna. They're going to put as many obstacles in your way as possible. She is the Mona Lisa of Austria. We will fight you till the end for something we believe is ours. They destroyed my family, and they forced me to abandon the people and the places that I loved. Here to file a lawsuit. We're taking the Austrian government to court. Have a nice day. All along, you have thwarted me and closed the doors in my face. This is a case of one woman wanting justice. People see a masterpiece by one of Austria's finest artists. But I see a picture of my aunt. We should be reunited with what is rightfully ours. Movie makers, filmmakers, directors, they take on a project knowing that it's all about getting backsides into seats. And you want to deliver a film that's going to entertain. And I use the word entertain loosely because sometimes people think, oh, for a movie to be entertaining, you've got to be holding your side, you know, mm-hmm. doubling over in laughter. But I think if you are thoroughly entertaining by doing a drama like this, you know, you could, yeah. while it's important to get people into the theater, 
perhaps the biggest uh, validation is somebody like Randy, who walked the walk and talked the talk and lived and breathed every moment of, of your mo- of your movie. So while it's important for people to come and see the film, knowing that you've done a movie that Randy is proud of has got to be gratifying for you. Uh, very, very much so. I mean, Randy's enthusiasm for the film means the world to me. Um, and I do think, you do think, oh, how can you make the film as entertaining as possible? And I'm loving hearing laughter as we screen the sure. film around the country. Uh, you know, the, 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 the odd couple relationship between Randy and Maria is very entertaining. But above all, I think it's a film about something. And, I, you know, as a consumer of modern culture, so much of uh, so many movies are about nothing, quite mm-hmm. honestly. And this film, you know, does have an important message behind its entertaining and th- hope thrilling uh, surface. Randy, when when you set out on this journey way back when, did you ever think and, and while there, a lot of attention was paid to you and to, to Maria's story, did you ever think that it would be made into a major motion picture? <laughs> well, certainly not in the beginning. I was 31 years old, and, and Maria was in her 80s, and uh, we just you know, set out to try to recover these, these paintings, which seemed crazy enough, and we had to sue a foreign country. Uh, as, the, as the case went on and it got more and more attention, uh, there were documentaries made. The one that, that Simon saw was called Stealing Klimt, uh, but there were several documentaries, and so there was always in the back of my mind, well, maybe one of these would turn into a movie. And, and uh, finally, after the case was over, then we were approached by a number of people. And mm-hmm. so, so there was a hope. But, you know, it's, making a movie, like Simon said, is as much of a long shot as suing a foreign country exactly. to try to get back paintings. Uh, a much longer <laughs> shot, maybe. Uh, it just doesn't happen very often. But when Simon came with the BBC Films, they actually uh, have a pretty good track record when they go after things they make a lot of the projects that they start yeah. and so i felt very good about that you know there are a lot of companies that buy film projects and then just shelve them mm-hmm. and they never see the light of day and they make maybe five percent or two percent of the ones uh but but simon and the bbc are, have a very good track record of going after things they really want to do and then doing them and thank goodness it's uh, turned into a real film i'm i'm just so happy when you decide that you're going to go after a foreign country in court I mean, did you go to uh, law professors? Did you go to colleagues and say, hey, I, you know, I have this idea or I th- <laughs> this is what I'm thinking of doing? And did they say to you, what, are you crazy? Uh, yeah, pretty much everybody <laughs> said this. <laughs> You're completely nuts. Uh, I, I think everybody thought I would lose and go down in flames. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, when you're lawyering, every case is a little bit different. And if you can find that difference and make it work, uh, sometimes you can get through. And that's what happened here. I had looked at the law and I thought, you know, there's an exception to the general rule that you can't sue a foreign country. Maybe we can qualify under that exception. And there wasn't a lot of precedent, but uh, the Supreme Court thought it was okay. So that that it ended up okay. Yeah. It could have been, you know, as we were going through it, when you talk about, do we think about films, the joke in my family was, is this going to turn out like Aaron Brockovich <laughs> or is it going to be like a civil action where right. the lawyer just basically destroys his life uh, and his family through just obsessing about a case? And it had elements of both of those and we weren't quite sure how it was going to end up. I, I, I asked Simon about you know, your reaction to the film, so let me get it straight from you. Sure. You've seen this. What What is... What's the lasting impression that you get after seeing this film? I mean, did, did he hit it? I mean, did he hit the nail on the head? Did he get it right? He absolutely. It it's 
for me and Maria, it really was about telling the story. I remember talking with Maria when we were at the Supreme Court, and everybody was sure we were going to lose. And I said, Maria, it doesn't doesn't matter if we win or lose on these these technical points. The important thing is your story is going to be known. It's in a Supreme Court case. It's going to be. It was. She was on the cover of USA Today, and and Time Magazine did stories and things like that. So, I said, w- this is a way to tell the story. And this was, you know long time ago. Uh, now it really is going to be a story that millions of people are going to see, thanks to Simon and, and actors like Ryan Reynolds and Helen Mirren and Katie Holmes, who plays my wife, uh, Daniel Brühl, right? People are going to come out and they're going to learn this story because Simon's right. It's about memory. It's about teaching young people, each new generation, what happened. The, the Holocaust is really the greatest human catastrophe in the history of mankind. Mm. It's, it feels weird to say it, but it's true, and it's something that we need to teach. Uh, we we teach, we learn history. We go to school. We learn about the Civil War. We learn about the Peloponnesian Wars. World War II and the Holocaust is going to be taught for fifty years, a hundred years, a thousand years, and every generation has to come to it new and learn it. And these films are a way to do that. So it makes me very very happy that we have this film that a new generation of people can learn about what really happened in those terrible times. You mentioned some of the other cast members. Uh, one person you obviously left out was Elizabeth McGovern. Shouldn't you uh, shouldn't <laughs> you be uh, talking about Elizabeth McGovern? Because uh, she happens to be married to the director. Right. I, 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 does Simon want me to talk about his wife? Plays She plays the judge who first rules in our favor. And uh, that was just such a great moment. And then to see that on screen, uh, she just she nailed it. And it was it was exactly as exhilarating on screen as it was in real life. Simon, did you uh, did you cast her in the role or was that Harvey's idea or was that the casting director? No, I mean, I take great pride in my casting and I'm always as ambitious as possible for all the small parts. And, you know, we have Charles Dance from Game of Thrones and. The Supreme Court Justice is played by Jonathan Price. And when I was casting this judge, uh, you know, Elizabeth is from Los Angeles. Her father is a, p- a professor at UCLA, a law professor, in fact. So I couldn't think of anyone in the world who was better casting for it. But the fact that she can bring the Downton Abbey uh, fans to the, c- the cinema is just an added bonus. But she actually, it was a real pleasure to work with her. And she, I think she's brilliant in the scene. Yeah, one final question for you then is that what do you hope audiences come away with when they see Woman in Gold? I hope they're entertained, and I hope it makes them think about their own family histories. And, uh, that, you know, as I say, it's a warning about how badly things can go wrong in our, in our world. And I think right now, in this troubled century we're living in, it's a very important message. Yeah, they say timing is everything, and I think that message that you talk about is so uh, desperately needed today. And I think uh, uh, it's one that will be delivered and be embraced, uh, hopefully, by audiences across the world, not just here in the United States, but everybody that's Sees uh, Woman in Gold. So congratulations. Thank you. Let's Thank not you. make it another four years before okay. you come back. No, right? I hope not. All I right. hope not. Very, very happy to be here. Thank you so right. much. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Studio 89.7, a monthly program that focuses on newsmakers, celebrities, and authors. Please tune in on the second Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. for another edition of Studio 89.7, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.